The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 7. Glory be to you, O Lord. A certain one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Just then, a sinful woman from that town learned that he was reclining in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, stood behind him near his feet weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she began to wipe them with her hair, while also kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would realize who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, because she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He said, Teacher, say it. A certain money lender had two debtors. The one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the larger debt forgiven. Then he told him, You have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, but you did not give me water for my feet. Yet she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but she, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loved so much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those reclining at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? He said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, it sure seems like a really nice gesture. A Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus into his home to be a guest, to dine with him. It seems like a really nice thing for Simon to do, but why does he do it? Why does Simon invite Jesus into his home? Later, Jesus will tell us that Simon doesn't even give him water to wash his feet, which was like a bare minimum show of hospitality. It would be like if you invited someone into your home and you didn't offer them a seat and a glass of water. That's like the bare minimum that you should do as a host to bring someone into your home. And Jesus will also tell us that Simon doesn't even give him a kiss on the cheek, which is another bare minimum show, not really even a friendship, but in that culture just acquaintanceship, not necessarily that we are friends, just that we are okay, that we are not enemies. So clearly Simon is not inviting Jesus into his home to be his friend, to give Jesus anything good. All he really gives Jesus is his judgment. And actually his unfair judgment, because when Simon sees a notoriously sinful woman from the town touching Jesus, pouring perfume on Jesus' feet, wiping Jesus' feet clean with her hair and her own tears, well then, Simon pounces if this man were a prophet, 
he would realize who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is because she is a sinner. So he has nothing to give Jesus other than judgment, and judgment that is not fair either. And Simon, he really isn't too keen on receiving anything good from Jesus either. Now this story happens fairly early on in Jesus' ministry when the Pharisees and the other religious leaders in Israel, they are still sort of sizing Jesus up. They are still deciding what to make of this supposed new prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, when Simon sees Jesus associating with this well-known sinful woman, he decides there's no way that Jesus can be a legitimate prophet because he's associating with someone like that. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. And Pharisee that he is, Simon doesn't really want forgiveness from Jesus either. So he works under the system where God does not send forgiveness down to you to make you his child. Instead, you send your good works up to God to make yourself worthy to him. So Simon is not going to give anything good to Jesus. He's not going to receive Jesus' teaching or receive Jesus' forgiveness. Now, I am not a Pharisee like Simon, and neither are you. And I don't want to address myself or any other follower of Jesus Christ as though we were Pharisees. We're not. We're Christians. We are followers of Jesus. But when I look at this story and I see the way that Simon treats my Savior Jesus, it does sort of compel me and it should you too to ask, are there any times in my life where I treat my Savior Jesus a little bit the way Simon does in this story? Are there any times in my life when I want Jesus sort of around? Now, I want him in the house, but I don't really want him too close that I have to give him anything good. You know, I want a cross up on the wall of my apartment. That's fine. I want my name in the church directory. That's good. But I don't really want to get too close, give anything to it. You know, not even like a short prayer, a subtle witness, just a small act of kindness to my neighbor. See, I'm not a Pharisee, and neither are you, but sometimes we act like this, where we want Jesus sort of around in the area, but we don't really want to give him anything good, except maybe our unfair judgment. Now, would I ever think something like this? Well, Jesus... Look, if you're in control on the throne of heaven, and this is the mess that we've got going on out there, Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, you can do anything, and this is what we've got. Or maybe more in line with this story, would I ever think something like, okay, Jesus, I get it. You're into grace. Forgiveness is your thing. Forgiving is what you do, right? But look, Jesus, we both know that there are some people, and I'm not going to name names, but we both know that there are some people who are beyond hope. There are some people, Jesus, that not even you should be touched. And, like Simon, are there ever times where I'm not too eager to receive good things from Jesus, like his forgiveness for myself? Because, hey, I haven't done anything devastatingly wrong today. I haven't ruined anyone's reputation with my work. My laziness hasn't caused too much damage. I mean, Jesus, look. Compared to those other people, you know, the ones that you shouldn't be touching, I'm a pretty solid person. I'm not a Pharisee, and neither are you. We are believers in Jesus. But 
We all have this little pharisaical slice in our hearts that's going to stick there until we finally meet our Savior face to face. We've got kind of this spirit of Simon that lurks around in our lives. I want Jesus around, but not too close. Not to give him too much except maybe our judgment, especially how he treats, forgives the worst of sinners, and then sometimes fold our arms and his forgiveness for ourselves. You know, now, when Jesus, in love, addresses this Pharisee by his first name, he tells him this little story and asks him this searching question. It might not be a bad idea for each one of us individually to lift the name Simon out of the slot and drop our own first name in. Simon, I have something to tell you. He said, teacher, say it. A certain money lender had two debtors. The one owed him 500 denarii. Now, trying to convert ancient currency to modern currency is a very difficult thing to do. So just take these as ballpark figures. 500 denarii, roughly $75,000. And the other 50, so 10%, about $7,500. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now, in this very short story Jesus tells, there are two really important things to notice right away. First of all, everybody owes. Everyone owes God for their sins. You may not have done as much dirt as the people sitting around you, at least not publicly. Maybe you keep your dirt behind closed doors, but you still owe. Because God never says in his word, live a life that looks better than the people around you. God says this in his word about what you owe him. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Everyone owes God perfection, absolute holiness, which means nobody can pay God what they owe. They could not pay. No one can pay God what they owe. Now here's the other really important thing to notice. God forgave both of his debtors. He forgives everyone the debt that they pay because Jesus came into this world and he lived the holiness that we have not. And we receive it through faith in him. And then Jesus paid the debt. He took the punishment that our sins deserve on the cross. And when he rose from the dead on the Easter, he did it to show us that our sins really are forgiven. So, he forgave them both. Everyone owes and cannot pay God what they owe, and he forgives everyone the debt that they owe. And now with that in mind, Jesus asks Simon a question which to this Pharisee must seem really condescending. So which of them will love him more? Uh, can you imagine when Jesus asked that question, can you picture Simon, this highly educated Pharisee, sort of leaning back and blinking hard at that question? Because the answer is so obvious, Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the larger debt forgiven. Now Simon, he thinks he doesn't owe God much. He thinks he doesn't owe God anything, really. So he's not going to receive Jesus' forgiveness. He's not going to give Jesus anything good, just distance and judgment and self-righteousness. But then, in his house, at this time, there is also a well-known sinful woman who is the living, breathing answer to Jesus' question because she knows what she owes to God. 
She knows her sins. She knows she cannot pay. And she is there to receive good things from Jesus. To receive the forgiveness of her sins. And then in response, to give Jesus every good thing. The best thing that she can. In pure love for him. She anoints his feet with perfume and with her own tears and her own hair. She washes Jesus' feet clean and even kisses his feet. Now there's a few cultural things going on here that you have to understand in order to get how truly profound this act of love is that the woman is displaying. The first has to do with feet. Now in my opinion, feet are universally nasty. There is no place <laughs> where feet are okay. And you can disagree with that if you want. But in that culture, at that time, feet were definitely nasty. And the purpose of this is not to gross you out, so I'm not going to go into detail. When you have sandaled feet, dust and dirt, and every kind of gross, disgusting thing lying on the ground that those sandaled feet would come into contact with all the time. So this job of washing other people's feet, this was the lowest of the low the nastiest of the nasty jobs of any servant could be assigned. You had to be the bottom rung on the servant ladder in order to get the job of washing other people's feet. And then there's this thing with the hair. Now, women in this culture did not untie their hair or let it down unless they were marking themselves as a servant. This is how when you walked into a room, you could tell who will be taken care of who are the service. So she is making it known that she is there to serve. She's humbling herself. And then there's this perfume, which comes in an alabaster jar, which tells you this is expensive. This is high-end stuff. Generally speaking, people who resort to making their living the way that this woman probably made her living, they do not have just piles of money sitting around to burn on expensive perfume. It's likely this perfume that she brought to anoint Jesus was better than she could afford. More than she could really pay for. She is giving the best, even better than she could give to her Savior. Clearly, this is not a woman who wants Jesus just sort of on the edge of her life. She wants Jesus right in the center of her heart. She wants to receive his forgiveness, and she does. And she wants to give every good thing best possible act of love that she could give to her Savior. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loved so much. Then Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Uh, your sins have been forgiven too. Later on in Jesus' ministry, there is another story that happens to them that is very, very similar to this one. This time it happens in the village of Bethany. Just before Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, another woman, this time we are told her name, her name is Mary, she anoints Jesus by pouring another kind of really expensive perfume called nard over Jesus' head. And when that happens, the men in the room object to this. They say, oh, what are you doing? That women's soul and the money given to the poor as if they cared about the poor. And Jesus interrupts them and says, she's anointing me for my burial. Jesus went to Jerusalem, suffered for your sins to pay that debt. He gives you the perfection that you owe to God. And he rose from the dead for you. So, believe it. 
when Jesus says to you, just as he says to that woman, your sins have been forgiven. A Simon's other guests, this meal, they're stunned when Jesus says that he forgives sins. Those reclining at the table began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? That's actually a really fair question. The answer is, he's the Son of God who paid the debt for our sins. So when Jesus says, your sins have been forgiven, believe that is true. Because it is through faith in Jesus that forgiveness becomes our own. Jesus died to pay the debt for the whole world. Whoever believes it, receives it. Which is why Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Jesus' gifts are yours and mine through faith. So, what do we do now? With our unpayable debt paid and the saving faith in our heart, what do we do? How do we live? Well, Jesus tells this believing, forgiven woman what to do now. Go in peace. When you leave here today, go in peace. When you walk out the front door of your house every day to go to work or the grocery store or grandma's house or the ballpark or wherever you're going, you can go in peace every day of your whole life. The life of a Christian is first and foremost the life of peace, knowing that your sins are forgiven and you have life with God in heaven. There are so many things in this world to rattle us and to shake our peace. And you don't need to hear them all listed off because you hear them every day. Being a Christian means you have a Savior who promises this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There are so many things to make us afraid. But having Jesus means you always have the peace of knowing that your sins are forgiven so you go everywhere, every day, every time in peace. What else do we do? Jesus says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loved so much. Once you know the hopeless debt that your Savior Jesus has paid for you and that your sins have been forgiven, you will want to love and love much. But how do we love Jesus? You cannot take a bottle of perfume in an alabaster jar and, and weep on his feet and wash them with our hair and kiss his feet. First and foremost, you'll show love for Jesus himself by putting him in the center of your life. Not over the distance, but in the center where you receive his good gifts, the forgiveness of your sins, and then give him your highest love in return. Jesus becomes the highest recipient of your love. How do you show Jesus your highest love? You start by believing him. There is no higher act of love for another person than to simply trust what they say. To take them at their word. To look someone in the eye and say, if you say it, I believe it because it's coming from you. Believe Jesus when he says your sins are forgiven and you are already showing him much love. How else do you show much love? Because, again, we cannot see our Savior. But we can see each other. And we can see everybody else around us in this world every day. And our Savior, whom we cannot see, tells us, whatever you do for the least of these, 
you do for me. Now it always fascinates me that Jesus doesn't say, whatever you do for the least of these, it's kind of like you do it for me. Or whatever you do for the least of these, wink, wink, I'll count it like you're doing it for me. Well, he just says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do it for me. You show much love for others because Jesus has loved you and forgiven you much. You are showing much love for your Savior. Now it's important to understand that showing much love for other people doesn't mean that you accept or you overlook their sins. Jesus never speaks or even implies words of acceptance for the way this woman had lived her life in the past. On the contrary, Jesus talks about her many sins and says her many sins have been forgiven. That means what she did wrong was real and offensive to God and needed to be forgiven. Showing much love to people doesn't mean you accept what they are doing wrong. That's not much love. In fact, it is the opposite. If you want to see what much love looks like because we are forgiven much, all you have to do is watch the way the woman in this story loves Jesus. Watch how she loves much and do the same. Well, in the first place, she marks herself as a servant. She lets her hair down in public and lets it be known to the world that she is here to place herself under other people and serve them. As Christians who show much love for other people, we cannot be ashamed to be in roles of service. There is no shame for a Christian to be subservient, to place themselves under other people and simply do for them. There is no higher act of service than, no higher calling for a Christian than to serve, as our Savior served and saved us. Second, like this woman, we have to be willing to go low for other people. The act of love she performed for Jesus, washing and even kissing his feet, that was the lowest of the low, the nastiest of the nastiest jobs. We have to be willing to go down low for people, to do acts of service for other people that we personally may find even repulsive and disgusting. Finally, like this woman, we have to be willing to go all out when we show much love for other people. She used perfume that was expensive, probably more expensive than she could afford. Spare no expense when you show much love for other people. Don't give them the minimums of your time your effort and your money. Give them the best that you can, maybe even better than at first you think is possible. That is loving much because we are forgiving much. She was forgiven much and she loved much. We are forgiven much. It's ours through faith. Now, let's go in peace and love much. Amen.